But let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord to uh, help us today. Father God, we come before you. We thank you for this opportunity we have to hear from you, Father. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your truth that makes us free, Father. Holy Spirit, we're asking you for eyes that see and hearts that are open and receptive, ears that hear. Show us things in your word that we have not seen before, Lord. Show us truth that makes us free. Things that we have seen, we ask that you make it more clear to us, more real to us. Show us how to practically apply this word and to put it into practice into our lives today. And we purpose as we hear your word, not to just be those that hear it, but to, those, to be those that do the word in Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. 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 You can be seated. Well, go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We've been on a series called, what's the series called? The Good Fight of Faith, right? The Good Fight of Faith. And uh, it's been good. It's been good. Um, the Lord keeps revealing things to me a little bit more clear. Every time I study this, every time I'm preparing for it, things I didn't see as clear before, I'm seeing it even more clear. And, um, and God is faithful. He's good. I mean, it's, you know, the Lord has given us some good things, some, some good things, amen, in his word. You know, we're not just coming here and saying, uh, Father Abraham had many sons, you're dismissed. You know, no, the, the, Lord, is, the Lord is giving us some, some good things to feed on. And that's what, that's what is necessary is to, is the word of God, you know, it feeds your faith. When you leave, you should leave like you ate, like you, you are fed spiritually, not like you're still starving. Amen? Amen. And it's not, I'm not say anything about what you know me i'm just talking about hey that's the lord his word his word is good amen man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god i mean no, his words are spirit and they are life john 6 63 says amen first timothy 6 12 says fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You know, this bears repeating, but I was telling you, I was talking to a friend about this and about fighting the good fight of faith. And he said that he kind of thought that we get to a place in our lives that there would be no more test that there would be no more <laughs> temptations, that you just kind of get to a place where, hey, you know, the, the Lord just says, devil, you have no access anymore, you know. And, uh, and, but that's just not the case. I mean, as long as we're down here, there's an enemy down here. Amen. <laughs> and there are seasons where you can resist the devil and he will leave for a season. But and we saw that with Jesus in the word of God. Amen. We saw that he resisted him. And, but the devil comes back. He's persistent. He's not going to leave you alone for the rest of your life. So we might as well understand that. That's why we need to learn about how to fight the good fight of faith. Because the devil is just not going to say, hey, I'm done with them. Especially if you're endeavoring to serve the Lord. If you're endeavoring to seek the kingdom of God and advance the kingdom of God, advance his church. Well, the enemy is not going to just sit by and not oppose you. He's not going to not try to bring some attacks or discouragement or some temptation. 
No. I mean, think about all the apostles. Did they receive any attacks from the enemy? Did anything happen to them? Was there any opposition that they faced? Amen, right? Well, if you're serving the Lord, that's what the enemy is going to do. So if you're not facing any persecution or opposition, you may want to check on what you've been doing if you're serving the Lord at all in any kind of way. But no, I mean, even if you're serving the Lord, endeavoring to raise your children in, in the ways of God, man, we live in a crazy world. There's going to be some opposition, amen? 2 Timothy 4, 6, I didn't tell you to turn there, did I? No, two, that's our two texts that we've been uh, starting off with. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, you can go there. You know, there, there's going to be some fights. Thank God you were born to fight, though. You were born an overcomer. You were born an overcomer. You were born a conqueror. Amen? 2 Timothy 4, 6 says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. He said my departure is at hand. He's getting ready to take off. He didn't say, oh, man, I'm dying I'm dying of this stinking disease. No, he said, my departure. My departure. That's just like I'm getting ready to take off at the, air, at the airport, right? My departure is at hand. At one point, Paul said uh, that he was trying to decide whether to stay here, be with them, or to go. Because for him to go, that was much better for him. But it was better for them that he stayed. And so he had a choice in the matter. And you, you know you have a choice whether you fight or not. We have a choice whether we fight or not, whether we finish our race or not. We have a choice. It's the, is it, first of all, is it God's will for you and I, not, not somebody else, not some, you know, well-known minister that you know, is it God's will for you to fight the good fight of faith and to finish your race? Yes, yes that's, that's God's will for you. It's God's will that you fight the good fight of faith, that you finish the race, and not that you just finish but that you finish strong. Is that God's will that you finish strong? Yeah, that's God's will that you finish strong, that you finish your race and you finish strong. I mean, the Bible says in Hebrews that since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, it says, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that would what easily ensnare us, trap us, beset us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's not just the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith. He's the completer of our faith. He don't just want us to get started and then flop and fail. No, the Bible says in Philippians 1, 6, that let us be confident of this thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Has he started a work in you? Well, then you can expect that he will complete it in you. You must believe that. It's not God's will that we get started and we get halfway, we get three quarters of the way through our mission, through our assignment, and then a circumstance occurs and takes us out, takes us out of the race, takes us out of the fight. That is not God's will. That is not God's plan. If that has happened, that's not God's will. That is not God's best. That is not what God wants for us. God's will is that we finish, we complete, and we finish strong. Amen? Amen. 
That's the will of God. Romans 8.37 that says, yea, in all these things, he, we know he loves us. He has made us con- more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen? God's will is that we conquer. Is, it that, is God's will that we be more than conquerors or that we get conquered? It's his will that we be more than conquerors. That means we conquer. That means we fight and we overcome. Amen? Amen. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And I think today we're going to see that a lot more clear. So we have some scriptures to turn to. We might move a little fast. But uh, that's okay. You guys are quick. You guys can keep up. When I say quick, I don't just mean quick on the the trigger with your uh, Bible turning. I mean quick, sharp mind. The Bible says he made you of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. I mean, you know, the Lord can make you, we have the mind of Christ, don't we? Yes. Amen. But I believe we're going to this, see this a little bit more clearly than we have been. You, where, did I, where did I tell you to turn to? Ephesians no, that's wrong. Ephesians 6. We haven't been in Ephesians 5. I don't know why I said that. But Ephesians 6. And while you're there, I'm going to read this in 2 Corinthians 10, just for sake of time. We've been reading it every week. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You know that's true, right? Our, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal weapons. They're not flesh weapons. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. See, we're, we're in a war. This is a real war. And though this is not a natural physical war, it's still a real war. And sometimes I think, you know, we said this last week, I think sometimes people think because it's spiritual, it's not real. No, it's very real. And it's more real because <laughs> this natural world is temporary. So the things that a spirit affect not just you, but can affect generations too after you. So this is a very real war. This is a very real. It's spiritual. But our weapons are not physical. They're not natural. They're not carnal things. Okay. They are spiritual, and they're mighty in God, the Bible says. And so these, this war is against these thoughts that bring beliefs, that bring imaginations, that the enemy likes to bring. And we've been talking about that. And Ephesians 6, we'll start in verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. That's the deceits. That's the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let's stop right there. What, What does that mean, having 
shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, a lot of teaching that I've heard along this line on uh, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace has always been um, about proclaiming the gospel of salvation, proclaiming the good news of salvation. Anytime I've heard this preached in the armor, that these shoes enable us to go out there and preach the gospel. And I'm not saying that that isn't a part or that isn't included, but something in my spirit, uh, I believe it was the Holy Spirit, wanted me to dig a little deeper, to look at it a little further. And something just was not satisfied inside me because I thought that's what we would talk about. But as I looked at it some more, I can see that hmm, there's something else here that I didn't see as clear as before until I began to look at it. Um, now, you, you know the word gospel means good news. We know that. But, you know, and typically people limit that to gospel of salvation. But, you know, there's good news about your health in the word of God. There's good news about provision in the word of God. There's good news about many different things in the word of God. It's not just only good news of salvation. I mean, your salvation includes all those things. But if you are dealing with sickness in your body and you're already saved, well, you need to hear the good news about healing. Right. Amen. If you are dealing with some mental issues and stuff and you're already saved, well, you need to hear the good news about the peace of God. Amen. Amen. So good news is dependent on what situation you're facing and if you're lost without the Lord, well, yeah, you need to hear the good news of salvation. But if you're in a battle, there might be some other good news that you might need to hear. Let's look at this a little bit more clear, and you'll see what I mean. Now, he, he's talking about taking the armor of God and taking this armor so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. So they can stand against the tactics and the deceits of the devil. But let's read this again, and I want you to notice how many times it says stand. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, say stand, stand. against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, say withstand, in the evil day. And having done all to stand, somebody say stand. stand. And it says again, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. These words stand, you notice that, four different times, or one, one time is withstand, but other three times say stand. That word stand, if you look it up in the Greek, has to do with establishing, setting you. And uh, the biblical usage that you see is that you are standing immovable, that you are standing firm, that you are standing without wavering, standing still, standing firm, okay? And that word withstand is the same word for resist. It's the same Greek word that you see resist translated other places, and it, which means to oppose, which means to set against, okay? So, for example, in 1 Peter 5, 8, 
where it says that, you know, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist, it says, steadfast in the faith. That's the same word, resist, oppose, stand against it. It's the same word in James 4, 7 that says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That means to oppose, to stand against. So he's talking about stand against. He's talking about opposing. He's talking about standing immovable. Well, there's some things he's given us so that we can stand, that we can stand against, that we can oppose, that we can resist, that we can stand firm. Let me read that verse 15 in Ephesians 6 in another translation. The Amplified, the classic. Anytime I read the Amplified, I'm reading the classic. I don't really care for the new one as much, but the classic is what I'm usually referring to. And having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with the firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. You see those words, firm-footed, stability. And then he says promptness and readiness. The expanded Bible, which is is similar to the Amplified, says, On your feet wear the good news, gospel of peace, to help you stand strong for firm footing or to be fully prepared. So we can see that this armor is something you put on so that it enables you to stand and stand firm or the, the shoes as well. So this, these shoes enable us to be prepared, to be ready, okay? We're not getting ready. We don't, we don't want to get ready. We want to be ready. We want to have these shoes on now. We want to have the armor of God on now. I mean, you know, when an attack occurs, you don't mean getting ready. You want to be ready, right? You want to be prepared, you know. Remember, this is armor. This is so that you can withstand an attack, so that you can stand firm, so that you can oppose and stand against. So you want to have your armor on. You don't want to be preparing to put your armor on. You want to have it on right now. And these are not just any ordinary shoes, that the Lord has given us. These aren't your ordinary footwear. These are very specific type of footwear designed to do a very specific type of thing. I mean, there's different shoes that do different things for you, right? There's hiking boots, there's running shoes, there's different shoes. And so this footwear that the Lord has given us in this armor is designed to do a very specific thing in our lives, in our hearts, and we're going to see that. It's important that you have the right footwear on. I mean, you you don't want to be caught when something breaks out, an attack occurs, and you got some chanclas on, right? For those of you that don't know, that means flip-flops in Spanish, chanclas. (laughs) I actually had an uncle one time. He was telling me about a time that, uh, or not a time, but he was saying that he doesn't like to wear flip-flops because uh, if something were to break out, it was a riot or something, you know, a brawl. You know, nowadays you got to think about that stuff. He said if there was a, a riot or something, if a brawl was to break out, he said, man, I don't feel safe in some flip-flops, man. I don't feel like I could get away, you know, outmaneuver and jump over some people. If you had to dig your heels in, in, the, in the ground and go toe-to-toe with somebody, you can't do that in no flip-flops, right? You're, you ain't doing much evasive maneuvering in flip-flops, you know. You're not outrunning people in some flip-flops and some chanclas, right? I guess I probably should have wore some chocolates to demonstrate this morning, but <laughs> no, we don't, we want to make sure that we have the right footwear on. Amen. 
Um, but what are these shoes for? What are these shoes for? Now, there's, like I said, there's different types of shoes. And shoes, what are, what are just shoes for? Shoes support you, right? Shoes, depending on the type of shoes, shoes enable you to walk for long periods of time. I mean, if you're going to a theme park, you want to make sure that you're wearing the right kind of shoes. Shoes that make you stand long, shoes that make you, you know, feel comfortable as you're walking, you don't get tired in them, and shoes, the right kind of shoes can make you run a little faster and jump a little higher, you know? If you're, I mean, I've never stubbed my toe in some steel, you know, toe boots, right? I have barefooted. So footwear is obviously important. But this Roman, uh, this footwear is compared to the Roman soldier's armor that Paul was referring to. The people that he was writing to at Ephesus would have known what he was talking about when he's referring to the specific armor pieces. And these shoes... They were a sturdy, thick-soled sandal-type shoe with an upper. Uh, and now, this was not just some one-strap, you know, flip-flop-looking thing. This thing came up all the way to the instep of your foot, you know, close to, close to the ankle. And then there were leather straps that went up around your shin, okay? And on the bottom, on the underside, it was equipped with some sharp, uh, iron-like spikes or nails, and that would give them traction uh, for long marches. That would also help them in a battle against an enemy to use their, the bottom of their feet that, are, that have these spikes on them. But it would give them that ability to walk on rough terrain and still be comfortable, go on these long marches. And uh, it was a protection for their, for their feet. And so they wouldn't experience that discomfort with just regular shoes. And you know, the picture here is that these were issued from the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire, that was the power of the day. That was the predominant power of the world power of that day. And so they would have had the best armor, especially compared to their enemies, right? And so these shoes gave them security. They, these shoes gave them that sense of peace, that sense, that, that peace of mind, that they're ready. They have their armor on, they're ready for an attack. And I was saying that my uncle said, you know, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable in some flip-flops. I don't feel like if something were to go down, I would be ready. So what he's really saying, though, is that these shoes don't bring me no peace. These shoes don't bring me no security. I don't have that peace of mind. I don't have that confidence that I'm ready to go battle with these shoes and I'm ready if something were to break out, if an attack would occur, I have peace and I have confidence. And you know, that makes a difference, the type of shoe, especially ladies in here, right? Am I right? If you're wearing some high heels and you're walking down a slippery hill, well, you're not gonna feel very peaceful about that. You're not gonna feel very confident about that, right? You'd probably rather just say, I'm gonna just take these shoes off instead, right? Because you're gonna have a little uneasiness about you. You're gonna have a little uh, trepidation, a little hesitation, amen? And so what we are wearing is very important. Um, Jesus said that he gives us his peace. In John 14, 27, we read this a couple of weeks ago. He said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, give I unto you. And he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He gave us his very own peace, the peace that Jesus walked around in, he has given to us. It's available to us. 
See, we are able to put on what Jesus had on all the time. I mean, Jesus walked around in peace. That gave him security. That gave him stability. That gave him a sense of confidence knowing he was ready for whatever came his way. And he said, I'm giving you my shoes. I'm giving you my peace. I'm connecting these scriptures now. You see that? I'm giving you my peace. We have Jesus peace ones. The Jesus peace ones. I don't know if there's a a two or a three, but I I don't think there needs to be an update. They're just the Jesus peace ones. We got the Jesus peace ones on. Amen. But go with me to uh, Philippians. Actually, no, you go to Psalms chapter 124. And I'm going to go, I'm going to read from Philippians here. But these shoes should enable us for whatever the devil may bring, for whatever an attack may come, we're ready. We're ready because we're, we have the same peace that Jesus has. And so we're ready with this armor of God to dig our heels in. We're ready for an attack. We're ready to resist as long as we need to resist. Why? Because we know the one who is backing us up. We know the one who is for us. We know the one who is on our side. And that brings peace. When there's an attack and you know who's on your side, that immediately should bring you peace. Amen? Uh, You're at Psalm 124, right? Philippians 4, 6 says this. As you, You can stay there and just listen with me, though. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What he said, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, what will it do? It will guard. Some of your King James say, I'm reading New King James, but the King James says, keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. What does that mean, keep or guard? Well, that, that's a military term. If you look this up in the Greek, it's a military term, which means to keep as in a gar- like a garrison. A garrison, was that a troop, a platoon, an armed military unit? surrounding you, keeping you, protecting you. If you had a garrison about your house, you would feel very protected, right? You would feel very calm. You would feel like, okay, ain't nobody messing with me. I got a military unit about my house, around my house. No one's messing with me. Who would dare mess with me? Well, that is what the peace of God is supposed to do. The peace of God is supposed to fortify you and strengthen you so that you have no fear of the enemy so that you have no fear of opposition. The peace of God is supposed to encompass, guard your heart so that you are unafraid, that you have no fear at all, that you are not a fear, that you are not afraid and have no fear of what's going on out here. Isn't that what the Lord said? Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because we have his peace. And this peace, he passes understanding, the Bible says. That's what, we just, what I just read. It's the peace of God that passes our understanding. We can't understand naturally how you could be standing here when there's trouble and turmoil and chaos all around you, and you're just standing here like, hey, God's with me. I'm not afraid of this. I, I could care less what's going on out here. I know who my God is. That's what the peace of God is supposed to do. That's, I said that's what the peace of God is supposed to do. Amen? Amen? Well, we have a force greater than some military uh, you know, unit surrounding us. We have the peace of God. 
In Psalm 124, verse 1, it says this, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as a prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Glory to God. How many know he makes a way of escape? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. So who's on our side? The adversary? The, the devil? He, he's roaming around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the Lord says, there he is, devil. Go get him. No. Does he, does he do that? No, he doesn't do that. The Lord is not teaming up with the devil. He's on our side. He is not on the side of our enemy. He is not helping the enemy out. He is not helping our adversary out. Like, hey, look at this. He's over there. Go, go get him, devil. Attack him. No, he is on our side. Uh, go back a couple chapters to Psalm 118. God and the devil are not working together. They are not teamed up against us. And knowing that God is on your side, what should that be doing right now? You should be getting strengthened. You should be getting some peace. It should be fortifying you to stand, to oppose, to resist. Psalm 118, verse 5, it says, I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will see the desire on those who hate me. What does this do? This is good news that brings peace. I said this is good news that brings peace. It brings peace to your heart. It brings peace to your mind that knowing, hey, God is on my side. This should fortify us. This should shore us up. This should help us, enable us to stand firm. This should help us to be immovable, to be strong, to look opposition in the face, to look the enemy in the face and say, I'm not moved. I'm not moved by what you're trying to pull here. I'm not moved by what you're trying to cause here. I'm not moved because I have the greater one on my side. He's not on your side. He's on my side. I said he's on my side. He's on our side. But the enemy's tactic is to always try to convince you that he's on the, your problem side. But he's not. He's on our side. Say God is on my side. He is not on the other side of the attack. He is not on the other side of the opposition. He is on your side. He's not on the side of your obstacle. He's not on the side of the giant. He is not on any side of anything coming against you. He is on your side. He's on our side. Say, God is on my side. He is not teamed up with the opposition against us. And we need to get this in our spirit that he is on our side, that he is for us. He is not for the problem. He is not for the obstacle. He is not for the challenge. He's for you. 
These things coming against you are not the Lord. He is not attacking you. He is not bringing the temptation. He is not causing these things to happen. I mean, you know, the Bible says in, uh, where is that, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, that there is no temptation that has come to you. Well, go, let's go there. Second, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians, actually. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Is it 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Yeah, verse, uh, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But, so that means everybody is dealing with similar things. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow you be to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, people quote this wrong all the time, and it's very annoying that people quote this wrong all the time. It does not say that God will not put more on you than you can bear. Does it say that? It says that he will not allow you to be tempted above what he is, above what you are able, what you are able to handle. But with the temptation, he's going to make a way of escape. So what does that mean? That's good news to know that God is on my side. He is not trying to cause things in my life that I cannot handle because that means that he would not have allowed it on the battlefield if I wasn't able to whoop it. If I wasn't able to take it out, he would not have even allowed it in the ring with me. Do you guys see that? It doesn't say he's not putting more on you than you can bear. Stop saying that. People say that all the time. There's no scripture that says that. It says he will not allow you to be tempted. There's no test, no temptation that he will allow if you are not equipped to beat it, if you are not equipped to defeat it. He is not going to allow it on the battleground with you, which means he's on our side, which means he is helping us, which means he is enabling us. And knowing this should make you fearless. Knowing this should make you fear free. Knowing this should cause a strength and a peace to rise up with you because, hey, I can beat this. I can defeat this. If I can't, the Lord wouldn't have even allowed it on the battlefield with me. That should strengthen you. That should fortify you. Knowing that, hey, God is always for me. Even when things do happen, hey, God knows I'm going to whip this. And he's on my side enabling me to whip this, to overcome this. Amen? He's helping you. And that gives you peace. Knowing that nothing against, that comes against me can beat me unless I allow it to. Do you see that? See, how are you going to stand? How are you going to withstand? How are you going to resist? How are you going to oppose? How are you going to stand firm if you are not sure, if you are confident what is coming from God and what is coming from the devil? How are you going to stand? How are you going to withstand and, and face the enemy and resist if you are not 100% confident that God is with you in this? If you're thinking that somehow this might be God and that he's resisting me, well, how are you going to stand? How are you going to resist? Do you see that? And you won't have that peace. You won't be prepared. You won't be ready to, for the battle because you're thinking, well, maybe this is God doing this. No, he's not doing that. 
It's the enemy, and that is the trick of the enemy. It's the deception of the enemy so that you're never ready, so that you're not prepared. Because he's always, something comes up, an obstacle, a challenge, a situation, and, you're, and then the thought is the enemy, see, why is God ha- allowing this? And then we speak it, God, what? What is going on here? What? But he is not the one coming against you. He is on our side. He is for us. He is not against us. You know, he's not the one causing the strife. He's not the one causing the drama over here that's affecting you. No, he's on your side. That's the enemy influencing, causing things to happen. I mean, we live in a cursed world. There's things that are going to happen down here. But God is on our side. He is with us. Amen? I could use a few more amens. He's with us. Amen? But so that's why a lot of Christians, they don't resist and stand against what they should be resisting and standing against. Because they don't know what is God and they don't know what is not God. See, you need to know that is one of the most important things that you will ever learn in life in your Christian walk is what is God and what is not God. Because if you think something is God, you won't resist it and stand against it when you're supposed to be. And that is very important that you know, hey, I need to resist this. This should not be in my life. There's some stealing. There's some killing. There's some destruction. Well, I need to stand against this. I don't need to allow it. I don't need to embrace it. I need to stand against this. I need to fight against this. There's some stealing in my health. I need to stand against this. There's some stealing in my family, in my marriage, some destruction, some death. I need to stand against this. I don't need to say, God, why are you doing this? No, he's on your side. He's not on the side of the problem, on the, of the obstacle. He's on your side. Say, God is on my side. On my side. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You can't stand against anything that you're not 100% sure that you're supposed to stand against it. If you're not sure that you're supposed to stand against it, you won't stand against it. Then you have this armor available for you, to you, that you're not doing anything with. No, you have to know what you're supposed to stand against. I mean, the enemy's so tricky. He is so dece- religion is very deceptive. And religion, just because they wear, you know, uh, faded, ripped jeans today and they got millions of followers on Instagram, that doesn't make it less religious just because they package it in a different way. Just because they have a YouTube channel and they present it in a cool, hip way, that doesn't mean it's not religious. Religion doesn't always look like 70 years ago or 50 years ago. Religion is today. There's religion going on right now. And so we have to be aware of these things that are presented that are like, wait a minute, that that cannot be if the Bible says this. If the Bible says this, then that can't be. And we always have to be thinking that way. We always have to be looking at the word of God to filter everything that we're hearing. Amen. Romans chapter 8. It says, uh, go to verse 31 for for sake of time. Um. Verse 31, it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Is God for you? What does that mean? Is God for you losing or is he for you having victory? Victory. Is God for you being overcome or you overcoming? Overcoming. (laughs) He's for us overcoming. Is God for you dying early 
Or is God for you having long life, satisfying you with long life and showing you his salvation? For long life, amen? amen? Is God for some things in your life that still kill and destroy? Or is God for you having life and having it more abundantly? That's God being for you. God is for us. And are you sure about that? Are you sure God is for you? Because if we're not sure about those things, if we're not confident about those things, then we leave the enemy access to deceive us about what is from God and what is not from God. And that's why you need to be sure. That's why you need to be confident about what is God and what is not God. Because you won't be prepared. We won't be prepared. We won't be able to stand. We won't be able to resist if we are confused about, is this God or is this not God? Is this the enemy or is this, the, or is this God? See, we must be aware of what is God and what is the enemy so that we can be 100% confident, 100% at peace, knowing God is with me in this. So I'm going to be able to resist. I'm going to be able to stand against this because he is for me. He is on my side. Amen. Now, we know we're on the side of the Lord, but that means he is for you succeeding. He is for you prospering. He is for you flourishing. We talked about last week that God wants us to increase. Amen. That's his will for our life. And so we won't be able to stand if we're wavering back and forth. God, is this you? Should I resist? Should I fight this? Are you doing this? No, we need to know. What is God? We need to know what is the enemy. But it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now, we know we have an adversary who's against us, but what this is talking about is who can successfully be against us. Nobody. Who can have any type of success against God? No one. Who can come against God and have any type of success? Who can defeat God? No one. So if God is for us, who can be against us? No one. Because if they're against us, they're against God. <laughs> if they're coming against us, now we're not talking about you being dumb and having, you know, doing uh, crazy, stupid stuff and being disobedient. God is not for that. But he's for you if you're following him, if you're obeying him and you're doing what he's told you to do. And even when you're not, you can appeal to his mercy like we talked about earlier. But God is for you in any situation. He's for you getting it right. He's for you doing the right thing. He's for you coming up. He is for us. Amen. He is not against us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? No one. No one can successfully be against us. And when you are aware of that, when you are conscious of that, when you are believe that and you, you by faith you receive that, you should have no fear. You should have no fear. You should have no timidity. There should be no fear in your life. Say no fear. No timidity. In Hebrews uh, 13, Hebrews chapter 13. Let me, uh, you guys can turn here, yeah. Hebrews 13. I'll read the latter part of verse 5. Starting in verse 5, um, he says this, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hasn't the Lord said that? This is what the Bible says. So we can what? With timidity and fear say, oh no, the devil's coming again. Oh no, he's trying to pull something off again. 
Oh, no, he's trying to stop the church again. No. Are you guys awake? No, that's not what it says. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Why can we boldly say that? Because of the peace that comes from knowing the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. That gives us peace. What does that mean? That peace guards our heart. That peace, peace shores us up. It fortifies our heart. It strengthens us like a garrison, like a military unit around us. It strengthens us. Are you seeing this? This peace that comes from knowing that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he's right here with us, it should strengthen us, fortify us, so we're ready to resist. We're ready to stand against the enemy. We're ready to look fear in the eye and say, no, I refuse to fear. I don't care if death is all around me. I refuse to fear. And that's what the peace of God does. I was sharing with you uh, a couple weeks ago where I saw a friend that with their son, this was three, he was three years old, tubes tied up. Actually, the doctors told them that their son was not going to live. And uh, at three years old, he's in the bed tied up. He had leukemia, I think it was, leukemia. And uh, the, the wife, the mom is on the bedside singing to him, no fear saying, I refuse to fear. I'm not going to fear this. Well, he's alive today. That was, I don't know, that was, I think, five years ago or so. And he's alive today playing sports, doing all the things that they said he would never be able to do because they didn't say, they said he was not going to live. But they had to look at, look at their t- child in the hospital bed, tied up, and say, I'm, I refuse to be afraid of this. That's what the peace of God is supposed to do. That's what it prepares you to do. It prepares you to face an attack like that. It says, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? In Hebrews 10, a couple pages over, it says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. How can we hold fast to our confession of faith? How can we stand firm and not let go when there's opposition when the enemy is opposing us, when the enemy is tempting us, when the enemy is pulling us and trying to trick us and deceive us and come against us, how can we do that? Because the peace that comes from knowing he is faithful, that promise, that shores us up, that fortifies us, that strengthens us. And when you're aware of that, that brings boldness. That brings strength to your heart. That gets rid of all the fear. Do you see why these shoes are necessary? These gospel of peace shoes are necessary. If you're going to go to war, you, may, you better make sure that you have the right shoes on. Amen. Like I said before, these shoes are designed for a very specific thing. They are to fortify your heart, to give your heart peace, to give your heart strength, so that when the enemy attacks, you're ready to stand. You're ready to stand. And sure, if you want to go preach the gospel, you're still ready to stand. But uh, this is talking about an attack. All through Ephesians was talking about an attack, and he's talking about standing and standing. Well, these shoes of peace enable us to stand and not have fear, but to have a sound mind, right? What does the Bible say? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. What's that? Peace. Peace. Not a spirit of fear. Not a spirit of timidity. That's why David could look in the face of that uncircumcised Philistine Goliath with no fear and have complete peace. Wow, isn't that a picture of what we're talking about? 
the peace of God. Why could he look at everybody? Uh, why could he, besides everybody else, he can look at Goliath and say, you uncircumcised Philistine, I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to feed it to the Why could he do that and not everybody else? Because he knew who his God was. He knew that God was on his side. He knew that God was with him and that he was for him and not against him. Everybody else, they must have been confused about it. But he knew what his covenant was. He knew that God made a covenant with them and said that I will be your deliverer. I will be your protector. I will keep you. I will guard you. Amen. And because of that, he could look fear in the eye and say, I'm going to take you down today and not be afraid and not be in fear. That's what the peace of God does. That's what it does when you know who your God is and you know that he is on your side. When you know that he is with you and that he's not against you. And see, the enemy is always trying to trick us, though, that this situation, this is God right here. See, he's trying to, he, he's, he brings these thoughts. See, why did God do this? Why did God do that? And then you voice it. Don't voice it. We got to remember, no, wait a minute. No, God is on my side. He is for me. He is not against me. You know, this is not just an amen sermon. This is not just something we mentally agree with. This is something we do. This is something when you are tested, when there is a situation that you could fear, that you could be afraid, this is when you want to say, nope, no, no. I'm not saying this is easy on the flesh, but this is a situation, there are times that you have to grab yourself and say, I am not going to fear. I don't care if fear is all around me. I will not fear. I got my gospel of peace shoes on. I'm ready. I'm digging my heels in. I'm not wearing chanclas today. I got my peace shoes on, and I'm ready to fight. I'm ready for war. Amen? In closing, go with me to uh, Psalm chapter 56. We got our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Hallelujah. We're ready to stand. We're ready to fight the good fight of faith. Something's coming against us like it was coming against David. No, it's not just coming against me. It's not just coming against us. It's coming against God. And what can come against God? (laughs) Nothing can come against God. Amen. Not successfully. They can try, but they cannot be successful. That's why he sits in the heavens and laughs when he sees the enemy, what they're trying to do. Psalm 56, verse 9. It says, when I cry out to you, then my enemies will come even more stronger. They'll come even more fiercer, and they'll defeat me until I'm just a beat to a pulp. Is that what it says? No. When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. Say, God is for me. He's for me. He's for me. And what does this armor do? It girds us up. It strengthens us. It prepares us. And we're ready. We're ready. Amen. Amen. Say, I have the peace of God. God. And it's fortifying me. It's strengthening me. It's helping me. He's on my side. Say, God is on my side. He's on my side. He is for me. Not against me. He's for me. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.